everybody, welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.D. Baker. Well, we've um, got a good one um, this week, and it's the 4th of July weekend, so it's no better topic than what um, Dr. Daniels is going to bring to the table. So welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Good day to everyone. And, um, you know, um, one of the things that is striking to me in today, is, especially when you, when you watch the news, if you watch CNN or, or Fox Network, there are there's a great divide as far as how this president has impacted people. Uh, you know, one channel says that it's the, he's the greatest president we've ever had. And then, of course, if you look at CNN, you, you know, you get the flip side that, right. you know, he's not been that great for for minorities. Well, uh, this past week, um, I guess two weeks ago, actually, um, I happened to be talking to a gentleman that was from Canada, white, white male, probably, I guess, in his mid 60s. Um, and he made the comment to me that uh, Trump has been the greatest president for blacks uh, that we've ever experienced. And so his comment was that black people ought to bow down to Trump. That's really what he said. That wow. we ought to bow down to Trump. Let me drink some water on drink, that one. Drink some water. You, you probably <laughs> need a shot of Hennessy. <laughs> to bow down to Trump and thank him for all he has done. And, he, and his other comment was that uh, President Obama did nothing for, for, for the minorities and that he was probably one of the worst presidents for minorities um, that we've ever had. Uh, obviously, he didn't understand presidents that were in office doing uh, pre-civil rights, you know, right. in those times, because you know, it's really foolish to say that Obama was the worst right. when we've had presidents that kept us as slaves, you know, right. but, but that's a whole other story. So. You know, his, 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 the, the, the thing that made him say that was, his point was that uh, kind of like what Reagan's, you know, economic theory was, that this trickle-down theory, that if you improve businesses, that all blacks benefit. Mm -hmm. and, and my thought was, I know you're a business owner and you you all, you know, do, do pretty well. Actually, you all do very well as a business owners. So I was just well, curious is that, you know, how do business owners feel, black business owners feel about their prosperity under Trump? And is that trickle down theory really applicable to minorities at all levels? No, it's not. <laughs> and and uh, the question I'm going to ask is, are, I'm, are you able to go into the bank and get a loan as equal as a white man getting a loan? I would say not. No. And I would think it's worse now than it's ever been. That's correct. So at the end of the day, unless you're running a cash business like a barbershop or you, if you manage to get enough money to open a bar or something like that, mm -hmm. or you're doing lawn service, it's going to be hard to generate enough cash to be able to open up another business that, you know, another bonafide business that's that you're able to take merchant, you know, mm -hmm. money come through the retail mm -hmm. money. So then you got to go to the bank to get a loan. And then all of a sudden here they come with a business plan. They want all this, all these different things they want that somebody else walking in the door, they may not ask for. Mm -hmm. Then you go through all these hoops for them to tell you no. Mm. You know, so. So really, it's not better. Now, if you're already established, where it gets better at, um, Dr. Daniels, is it gets better if you already own the business and then better in your taxes as the business tax. Mm -hmm. 
other than that, it has not gotten any better. So, so let's say, you know, you, you're an established business person. You own your own business and say you're bringing in, I don't know, gross receipts of a million dollars, let's say. Um, how does that impact the uh, $11 an hour worker? What, what, is this, what has Trump done to, 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 to make that $11 an hour worker's life better? Nothing. If anything, he punished them. Because in the new tax law, he actually gave more benefits to the business owner versus the employee. Mm. So it's now it's more it's more um, advantageous to to do a sole proprietorship or be a 1099 because the government now is taking uh, automatic off top 20 percent of what you've earned. So if you made if you made one hundred thousand dollars, they're only going to tax you on eighty thousand dollars. So that's the new tax law now. So that's some of the things, Dr. Daniels, I think that the middle class blacks, uh, middle class in general, mm-hmm. need to get educated on, on how to manipulate the system. But you're only able to do that if you own a business. Mm-hmm. So if you're, the, if, you're, if you're the average employee, then you get no benefits. Zero. Actually, you get worse. Right. Hear you saying. Now, here's the thing that I just want to throw out there. Um, I was shocked that this this white gentleman, who happened to be Jewish, by the way, uh, and I didn't realize that some Jews don't consider themselves to be white, but I do, <laughs> okay. Right. Um, I w- it, it, here we are in a, at a resort, and, and, and as the conversation is moving on, okay, um, and, and so we, he's talking about Trump and how wonderful he is. Now he's helping the economy and how he is benefiting our our quality of life because he's limiting the amount of immigrants coming over. Right. And so um, Debbie, my wife, she says to him, well, you, from what you just told me, you're an immigrant. So why are you so um, upset that other people are coming and benefiting when you came and benefited? Right. He said, well, if you think that immigrants need to not need to go home, then you all need to go back to Africa. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So a a, a white female that was sitting beside us, she jumped up and she put his finger in his face and said, you're the racist pig. You need to leave this resort. I mean, he didn't. But, you know, so I guess my point is this. Let's say that, you know, things are better economically. But what he said says to me this, that white people are now feeling much more comfortable speaking their minds to black people. Right. Whereas in the past, they would never do that. You know, right. you would never feel comfortable making a racist comment like that, especially in an environment where the people serving you are mostly black. Right. But yet he feels so comfortable to do that. So I'm just wondering, you know, we're from different generations. You know, I'm from a generation where we were red, black and green and so forth and so on. Right. You know, what's your take on 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 how, especially when you're dealing with people on a day to day basis? Do you see any difference in the way that you're being treated now by by those in the majority now that Trump is in office, you know, do they feel more liberty to 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 uh, say what's on their mind or just, you know, what's your take on that? Well, my take on that is definitely is it has changed. Um, growing up, for me, growing up around predominantly white neighborhoods and things like that, you know, I'm a suburban baby, so mm-hmm. that's what that's my livelihood. 
So now I'm caught in the middle of a precarious situation. If I go to places, I used to feel comfortable at, I didn't feel any problem going to the, the honky tonk bar or going into somewhere where there's nothing but white people. But mm-hmm. now when I walk in there, literally I get people looking mm-hmm. and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm not thinking nothing of it, but now it's like, it's getting more prevalent. Like just jogging in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Some cars get over and some cars that like they're about to hit you. You know, so it, it's definitely changed a lot. Um, for is what people being more vocal, I think social media has something to do with it as well. And I'm actually happy that some of that is taking place. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you why. I'd rather you tell me to your face, tell me to my face mm-hmm. how you really feel right. versus you subdue it. And then I'm thinking we're okay and we're cordial. Mm-hmm. And then going back to that loan situation, like if I if I sit down to get a loan and I can tell that you're a racist because you said something out of your mouth, mm-hmm. ain't no need for me to go through this process no more. Right. Get up and walk out. Right. Now, some other civil rights black folks will get upset over that because it's my right to sit there. It's my right to get a loan, to put in the application, but it's also my right to do business somewhere else that they want me to do. They want right. to do business Where they with appreciate me. you. Yeah. Right. So I think the difference between how Trump is saying he want to make America great again. And I think white people are taking that to say, okay, I can now speak my mind, but here's the issue. Black people have way more economical power now than we did in the 1950s and the 1960s. Mm-hmm. So if if the, the the people at the bank that you that you bank at with the, with the church, if they was to come say something crazy to you, you'd be like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Let me pull this some odd dollars out of here mm-hmm. and go to this other bank. Right, right. And then I'm going to bank over here. Mm-hmm. And then that person will get fired over there because, you know, the director's going to be like, uh, the branch president, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, so we have the ability now to do that and then also to educate ourselves mm-hmm. and and really reach people and educate people on how to handle situations with our dollars mm-hmm. and not necessarily with rhetoric and things like that. Cause you can sit and talk to a guy blue in the face. He's not going to stop being racist. Well, true you that, know. true that. So let me make sure I got you on that. Cause see, like I said, we're different generations. And I remember when I was a kid that, that, your neighborhood was your world. You know, the, the, the dentist, the black dentist, you right. know, lived in the neighborhood. In fact, he lived, his office was was probably, you know, in the basement or, or you know, in a separate room. The doctor was in the neighborhood, you know. It, the stores that you went to were in the neighborhood and, mm-hmm. and they were black owned. So black money stayed in black neighborhoods primarily. Right. Right. I mean, you may have went downtown every now and then to buy clothes, but, you know, Sears, everybody went to Sears back then. Right. But primarily, you must say in black neighborhood. So here we are, you know, you mentioned, you know, the dollars as being our, our power structure now. So what should we be doing as black folk um, to strengthen black businesses? You know, how can we make sure that that our voices are heard so we, we do get recognized? You know, I, you know, I, I it bothers me personally. Again, I'm not a businessman, but it bothers me per- personally when I see young black kids wearing $200 tennis shoes that benefit white corporations, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So what can we do? What should we be doing? How should we be making sure that we um, don't allow uh, them to be in control of us? 
one thing that one issue that we have as uh, for black people and it's going into business, we, we tend to chase the most sexiest thing out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let me start a clothing line or, you know, let me let me do this or a hat line or a graphic design or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But the shoes that Nike are selling need to get shoelaces. Mm-hmm. Right. They need to get the little buttons on the on the shoes done. Mm-hmm. If you start focusing on little things like that mm-hmm. and create a company that services another company, then that's where the, the wealth really comes in at. You know, just think about your coat hanger in your closet. Mm-hmm. Somebody's making that. Yeah. Somebody's you know, a billionaire is making coat hangers, something that you use every day. And don't think nothing of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But as black folks, the first thing we want to do is like, I'm going to give me some money over the club. <laughs> you know, or or you know, I go to barbershops and say, man, if I had some money, I would do this, I do that, and none of it is really. It's like quick money, but it's not like generating wealth. Gotcha. And then other thing I tell other business owners is, black business to business is really where the transactions need to start happening. At mm-hmm. um, you don't see that too often. Because we're because as a culture, for whatever reason, we're bred to be competitive against one another, even if you're not in the same industry. Explain black business to business so that the average person that's listening understands what you, you know where you're coming from. On and give an give an example. Okay, um, black business to business is one business is doing a service for another business, and then the other business you know pays them for the mm-hmm. service. So an example of that would be. Um, when I had a, the, the bus company, mm-hmm. I would go to the church and say, hey, I got buses. Do you need buses to rent out for such X, Y, Z? Mm-hmm. You say, yeah, sure. We're going to Kings Dominion in July. I'll use you for that. Boom. It's a black business to business. Now, what happens is, is what's happening now is the a group leader for the bus service, for the bus company, mm-hmm. that's not even works for the bus company, is generate is being a middleman between that. Okay. So they might work for um someone in Virginia Beach, Venture Tours, I think it's Venture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like so they may go to Venture Tours and say, okay, I can get this bus for nine hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars. And they come back to you and say, Hey Pastor, I got the bus for nine hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you great. So this person takes the money off top, they get like a hundred and fifty dollars finding fee for the people, and that's it. Where if that was a black company and then they go to you and get the same thing. But it's not nothing you're not looking for a hookup. Right. You know, that's you. right. Black business to business is where it's at. Hair shops. I tell them every time when I go in the salon, they're using hair products from other people. I said, do you know you can go online and develop your own? Tell them what you want in it. Mm-hmm. Go and find a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Develop your label. Literally upload it. They put it up there. Boom. They pump the stuff in there and you got the bottles in Probably a month. So let me make sure I understand this, just because we, you know, I, I, I know there are a lot of people out there that own their own hair hair salons, and mm-hmm. so you're saying that if I look at, let's say, I don't know, a shampoo, right, and I see the chemical makeup of the shampoo, That's then right. I can literally go get that same shampoo yes. with my brand name on it. Yes. Then I can not only use it in my shop, but I can sell it as yes. well to my uh, customers. Yes. Wow, and I'd be willing to bet you, um, very few. Matter of fact, I don't know any that that I associate with 
that that shops that 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 sell their own products. Yeah, the ironic thing, Pastor, is um, I've told people to do this, and they just will not do it. It's too it's too big of an idea for them to wrap wrap their head around. So they mm-hmm. rather have another sales rep come into the shop, mm-hmm. and then they buy it from them at retail. And then try to mark it up. So that's why some salons, you'll see shampoo bottles like $16. Mm. And you're like, why is this so high? It's because it's not really because they're tr- they're trying to get an extra two, three dollars from it. Mm-hmm. But they bought it at eleven, twelve dollars a bottle. Mm. It's still at retail, it's not at wholesale. So so if I if I'm, I'm gonna take that idea to the next level. So you're saying then let's say, because you talked about us being competitive, and that's so true. We we are, you know, we often are described as crabs in a basket, right? right. So you're saying if all these all these barbershops, and we know that there's one on almost every other corner. Let's say if 10 of them got together and said, hey, listen, we can still compete as far as who hair we cut, but let's not compete as far as what product we use. Right. So let's just get a product name. I don't know. Let's just call it, um, you know, P-Town or whatever, let's right. say. <laughs> let's go, you know, it's P-Town magic. That then the 10 can come together and they could, you know, uh, combine those resources so that one shop is not putting all the capital up. And then when the supplies come in, they all of them get the benefit of the wholesale price. Uh, and and then they become in control from top to bottom right. of the entire process. Right. And what I would tell those 10 barbers is to go get um, file an escort and then and, and, and divide the shares up of that corporation by the 10 people equally. So then at the end of the tax year, you know, if you took a loss, which you kind of want to do a little bit so you mm-hmm. get a tax break, mm-hmm. you take a loss or you take your, your um, gains out of it and you still got to pay tax on it. But you're not paying taxes on it until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would tell them. And then no one is out back. So you're like, OK, I, I put my money into it. It's, you know, escort. And then you got to have your meetings and everything like, you know, your mm-hmm. annual meetings and whatnot. But that's how things should be done. Therefore, then all 10 shops mm-hmm. are selling the same product because it benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, right. And so that enables us then, even though uh, this gentleman from Canada was wrong in saying that we have benefited. We have it, as you pointed out. Right. But this will enable us to begin to benefit. If I understand but, you. But here's the thing, Dr. Daniels. We've already we already had that ability. Right. Now, I'm not saying right, we didn't right. have it, but I'm just saying right. now we can benefit we can, right. from the things that he's saying that Trump has put in. I'm not saying Trump. Right. So what, is what would happen now? Now. Right. I'm not saying that. Right. I, so what would happen now yeah. is if those 10 barbers did that automatically off top, 20 percent of their expenses or mm-hmm. what I mean, 20 percent of their um, um, profit. Is automatically not taxable. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is right. that you know the, the the idea of getting a corporation has always been there. Right. But now they can benefit from the new tax laws. Right. That this gentleman is saying we are currently benefiting from. Right. Uh, see, I think the corporate heads are benefiting from the tax break currently. Right. Not that twelve dollar employee that's working. You know. That's correct. On, on the factory level. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that we as as a culture have to start looking at. You know, uh, it bothers me. Tremendously. And it's something else the gentleman said to me, for example, um, because we were, you know, we were in, in Antigua and, and he says to me, well, you don't have a right to complain about Trump anyway. You're here on vacation. 
as if to say, because I could afford <laughs> to come there, right? I have I don't have a right to say anything negative. Well, but when he he could afford to come to Antigua when Obama was in office, but he had a lot to say negative about Obama. Right. See, it's, it's almost as if um, his point being, we should be so grateful to be able to get what they have. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, really, that's really what he was saying, is that as a black man, I should be grateful to be on equal footing with the white man. Now, the irony of that is this. He was bragging about his education because he assumed I had very little. So he says, well, I have my MBA. And, you know, Debbie's really smoking now. Right. And so she says, so? <laughs> he has his PhD. Right. You know, uh, which kind of, you know, put him back in, you know, right. in a different place. But, but, but even so, his position was we should be thankful that we can be on equal footing with them, you know. And, and I go back to your original point is that a part of that is because we have allowed them to think that we need them more than we do. Right. Because business, black businesses aren't supporting other black businesses. Black businesses are getting their products from white companies. There you go. And so the white companies are feeling in control and we need to be in control. So um, they are beholding to us if we do come to them. So right. we have some leverage if right. they want to get us back you know, in that market, you know, right. that, it, that makes sense. It, it makes, it makes, it makes complete sense. And, but it also takes into education for the black community to understand what needs to happen inside the community. Even when you open your business and you start your business, if you're building a chair, mm-hmm. you know, let's say you, you know, you work hard. Like for instance, this is a good example. I know a guy who makes barbecue grills. Mm-hmm. He loves doing it, but where's he getting the metal from? Mm-hmm. Say so he's not getting it from a, a black business. So I would say, OK, well, we need to find out how we can start a business, a black owned business that, you know, that mm-hmm. is able to get mm-hmm. the metal cheaper because mm-hmm. where they get the metal from. They had to pay a 50 percent surcharge on that. Mm-hmm. They can sell it to you. Mm-hmm. You right. know, so it's just really just education, Dr. Daniels, and business on how things get marked up. You know, every time everybody's have, everybody's putting up, getting up, pulling a little bit off, off right. the top, and which the, is and increasing the, price. Right. But yeah. you know what's funny? Hmm. How many um, drug dealer movies have you watched that were black folks in it? Wow. I can't count them. Right. And then what, what happens in the movie? The guy always says, I got to get to the actual connect. And then mm-hmm. he ends up going to the Columbia right. or right. visiting the cartel. Uh-huh. But it's what's crazy is as a culture, we can wrap our head around that. Right, absolutely. But cannot translate it over to this actual business that is legal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That that that's a tremendous that now that's tremendous when you say that. Because um I remember when I was first became a pastor and the the uh, one of the youth pastors asked the question what do you want to be when you grow up? And one of the boys says a drug dealer. And what you just said was what he explained. 
Right. Here's a kid about nine years old, right? That's explaining that if I become a drug dealer, here's what I want to do. And he said what you just said, that he could bypass you know, these people and get right. to the top and be the kingpin and, 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 and put a brand on his drugs. So I know it came from him. Right. And I'm thinking when you were saying I'm like, wow, the nine-year-old can think about it from, dr- from the drug standpoint, but the nine-year-old isn't thinking about it from a legal standpoint. Exactly. <laughs> now, and, and then, you know, the, the extra woke people right now would say there's a reason behind that because it's pumped in your head but it, this principles are still there so it's it's not like the the black community is not does not have the education on it right we just gotta promote other things that's one thing i like about um and we used to do it that's the thing yeah, and i'm not promoting segregation you know i'm not you know i'm not one of those that say you know we right. need to, but I, see i grew up where we used to do it you know when i was a kid Everything was done in the black community because the white community did not want to sell to you. And so money stayed in the black community. Uh, Have we got too smart for our own self? Is that it? No, we, we, we haven't gotten too smart. What happened is point blank period customer service is what happened. And the quality of the service, mm. and I'm I'm on I'll go on record to say, me and soul food restaurants don't get along, <laughs> and this is the reason why it ain't that got nothing to do with the food. It's the service. Uh-huh. I want my food on the plate, mm-hmm. not in styrofoam for me, and with a plastic fork and spoon to eat inside the restaurant. Now mm-hmm. I understand the business behind that because they can't afford the dishwasher in the back mm-hmm. or the dishes and, and all that stuff or. Mm-hmm. You know, the health department writing them up over the sink not being right. Mm. I get it. But that's what happened. Mm. But if I go into a spot where the person is, they, you know, they're not as racist anymore. Mm-hmm. They smile and greet me mm-hmm. and I get my food on the plate and it tastes good and the prices are not that different. Mm-hmm. But then I go to the black soul food place. It's in the styrofoam. Then I'm paying Fifteen dollars for you know two pork, two fried pork chops, collard greens, and mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Right. That the issue is is the the quality of the service that I'm getting in the atmosphere. But now remember what we talked about before. White restaurant, if they want to upgrade their restaurant, they go down to the bank, say, "Hey, I need to take out a construction loan for thirty thousand dollars." Got it. Boom. There it is. They got it. Mm-hmm. Black restaurant owner go in there and say, hey, I'm going to take out construction loan for $30,000. Well, I need to see your uh, profit and loss statements and all this. What do you plan on doing with it? Mm-hmm. And then after you go through all that, uh, deny. Mm-hmm. So now he's still stuck there with the plastic forks, the styrofoam. That's mm-hmm. what happened. Okay. Now, to your def- to what you're saying, though, is the the black folks that made it, how come we're not investing back into, mm-hmm. you know, um, to Jim Bob's barbecue shack right. that's selling the ribs and everything? Why are we not taking money and say, hey, man, I know you need this. Hey, let's, let me invest in you to get 10% back a year from now. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is what's another thing that's missing in that not people, us being buttonheads and comp- competing all the time. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Right. We're right. walking. And then another thing, Dr. Daniels, how many times you went in a restaurant, did not like your food or like your service, and did not speak to the manager about it, just paid your food and said, I'm never coming back. Mm. 
Several times, unfortunately. Yeah. And that does the you're you know, you're a business owner because mm-hmm. you run the church. Mm-hmm. How would you know things didn't go right? Mm-hmm. People in the congregation said, man, the sound was horrible today. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to come back in here no more. I, I'm done. You know, such and such, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you have no idea. Right. right. You know, and, and, and that happens. <laughs> that, that happens. People right. just leave and you just look up and they're not there, but you don't have a clue as to why they left and they're not there. Right. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. So I, so for me, me personally, and I try to encourage other business owners to do this, is when you see something wrong in another business, and if you know the owner well enough, send them a text message later on or pull them to the side, you know, never in front of people and say, hey, um, I, I know X, Y, and Z. Have you tried doing this? Because this wasn't right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they don't know that the situation is like that because they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're buried in trying to make sure that the bottom line stays black, mm-hmm. you know, or at least pink. You right, know what I'm saying? So, right, right. so just doing little things like that help, especially black business out a lot. And uh, you'll be amazed what happens. You get this look like, where's, you know, where's this mm. nigga coming from like mm. this? And then you have to be secure, you know, not insecure, but being secure in yourself and realize that not a lot of black people are going to take your critical feedback. They'll take it as hate versus taking it as, okay, this is what I need to do to get better. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that as a community, we've got to get past because if we don't get past it, Unfortunately, the brown people mm-hmm. will surpass us. Mm-hmm. And we've already witnessed um, the Asians coming here. We've already witnessed Indian families coming here, pulling their money together and surpassing us. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're watching this happen and then literally see them how to do it. It's not a secret. You can go walk up to you can walk up to the guy who owns the um, Days Inn now. And ask him how he got their own days in. He's yeah. gonna tell you. Mm-hmm. Is that a Russian secret? Right, right. You know, one guy puts in ten thousand to a group of other guys that put in ten thousand to go get the loan. But see, what I say, go get the loan. Mm-hmm. And that's the key, right? <laughs> but you know, so I, I guess then, um, I, I mean, maybe we can't thank Trump yet. But to the guy's point, if enough white folk keep talking, speaking their mind to black folk and showing us how they really feel, there you go. then maybe we can take thank Trump and say thank you for letting us see how all of you really felt about us. And maybe that will be the catalyst to get us to do what other people have done, you right. know, which is support one another rather than supporting people that only that only want our money, but don't want us to be a part of that 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 the American dream, right? You, you know, uh, yeah. That I mean, that's that's an excellent point. You know, I, I guess the only the other the only other thing that I would you know I, I'm curious about again because you know we you know we were a generation apart, and and I'm I'm always trying to wrap my head around generations below me, and that is, it seems to me, and I could be wrong. It seems to me that one of the problems we face is, is that there is a generation that only feels that they have made it if they can acclimate to um, the, what I would call the white world. You know, if they can, you know, uh, dress in, the, you know, designer um, things, um, I guess the red bottom shoes, mm-hmm. you know, is a big deal. You know, those kind of things. 
Well, I don't think Red Bottom Shoes are owned by black folk. I, no, I think no. owned by white folk. Mm-hmm. Um, That's but, correct. You know, but they, that so so again, that sucks money out of our community, and 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 it has people. You know, and I, I, I mean, I'm going to say this and hopefully don't get mad at me, but I grew up, we had a term called nigger rich, you know, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. And, 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 and so it makes folks look at us as if we are nigger rich, you know and I mean? That's when, you know, your, your outfit makes you look like you're worth a million, but right. when in reality, you don't have two dimes in the bank. Right. You know, what is it about us? Do you think? And, and, and I, again, I think it's more prevalent in the generation behind me, not in my generation. What is it about us that we only feel like we have made it if we do um, drain our pocketbooks to help white businesses become better? And I'm saying it that way because that's really what we're doing mm-hmm. when we spend all of that money on those products that white folks sell that really don't care anything about us. Some of it is mass media. And then you got to remember, too, Dr. Daniels, that they have whole marketing departments with black people in there mm-hmm. that are tailoring things to sell to black people. And it makes me upset, too, to see somebody with that is to see a teenager and the mama's driving a 1999 Nissan Maxima and the teenager got on a $250 pair of tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can let's say the kid, let's this right, let's this just say the kid went from all F's and went to all A's, and the mama said, the daddy said, Hey, I'm gonna get you these shoes if you get it. And he got it. Mm-hmm. But then he wears the shoes. Just anywhere, walking around in the grass, he doesn't value the two hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you something. I went to, I spoke at Franklin High, and I told the kids, I said, you'll become wealthy when you value two dollars the same way you value two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he was looking at me like, I said, yeah. I said the people that got wealthy got wealthy by keeping their money and not just throwing it right. away. Right. And, and the kids still look at me like, because they just want to hear the stories about how much money I'm making, what I'm doing, and just what kind of car drives. Like, yeah, I get it. And it's not that difficult to get that, but mm-hmm. you got to get it by making sure that you keep your money. Right. How do you keep it once you get it? Once you get it. Right. And that's where the big, like, well, how, how, many, uh, how much taxes has Trump paid? What, zero? That's what right zero. So even even Warren Buffett has went on record to say he's not paying enough taxes. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's like, well, I I say, well, Warren Buffett, you could just write a check. So how about how about this, Warren Buffett? How about you create a minority business coalition or whatever, and you what money you said you thought you should have paid the difference in that? Go ahead and and put that in that foundation. Get people in there. And that's what I would tell him to do if you f- really feel that way. Right. And, and for those that may not know who Warren Buffett is, he's one of the richest men, and <laughs> in, 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 in not only in, in the United States, but in the world. Right. Uh, a billionaire. Uh, right. Say, uh, and, and, about, and, and as a billionaire, like you said, you talk about valuing money, right? If you watch the if you if you watch his, watch him and look at the suits that he wear, it is obvious. He's not spending two and three thousand dollars on his suits, you, no. you, you know, no. not in the least bit. And 
and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. If I grow my business to like fifty, you know, fifty million dollars, <laughs> I, I am not gonna lie to you, Doc Dan. I'm gonna wear the three thousand dollars suit, right? <laughs> but but at that point, the three thousand dollars suit is now like me wearing a three hundred dollar mm-hmm. suit mm-hmm. now. So it's like it ain't gonna break the bank, but I'm a, but. I, no, no, but I, I said it to, to, right. to, to stretch your point, right. right? Is that even though he's a billionaire, he still values the $2. He still values the $2, <laughs> You right. know, so he still is saying, what, if I don't need it, I'm not going to buy it, you know, right. and I will buy what I need and not just for the sake of being flamboyant with it, you know. There was uh, a kid that had um, that had just got drafted in the NBA, and I would end up at this um, event with him, and I pulled him to the side and said, look, are you happy with your lifestyle right now? It's like, yeah, okay. And when you sign this, you know, your contract, I want you to take out $20,000 in cash and go blow it on whatever you want to go blow it on. Mm -hmm. And I want you to take the other money and put it in the bank account and then don't touch it. And wherever you're going to, there's no need to buy a house because you might go somewhere else because it's the Mm -hmm. NBA. You might get traded. Just get an apartment and just continue to, all them checks, you just, Put away into this account. And said, because at the end of the day, you're a couple now, right? Said, yeah. Right. I said, are you when you come home, you staying with your you know, your parents? He's like, yeah. I said, continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Because you keep doing that. Then when you get done playing ball, mm-hmm. then you got this nice chunk of money sitting here that wherever you decide you want to live at, you can go put, you can go maybe pay the house off in cash. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, you know, no doubt. And then now you're set up. Well, you know, then you can put another money to invest in some other things, mm-hmm. but do that and stay away from the the financial quote unquote investors who's just really just trying to get the money out of you. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I ain't see them no more. Right, and, and don't, then, don't buy that Bentley <laughs> the first year. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, you know, and you know the funny thing about that. that I used to want a uh, Bentley so bad until I end up with car trouble with up. Audi, mm. and when you realize you can't find somebody to work on the car because it's European that know what they're doing, mm-hmm. I said, "Well, I'm not going to touch a Bentley because even though let's say the payments on the Bentley was, it is going to sound extreme for some people. Mm-hmm. If the payments was eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. right, on the Bentley, but let's say some guy in a Cavalier or a Chevy Cobalt." Come and sideswipe you, and they ain't got insurance. Oh, mm-hmm. and let's just say it's just a, a fender bender. The chain, the, the Bentley is handmade. Mm-hmm. It could cost you ten thousand dollars to fix that. Right, right. Eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. You know. So, and that's even on that's that's, an, that's on a good day. On a good day. That's <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> right. So that's why you got to just be careful what you're doing. But I tell people now, that look, man, like. I'm 40 now. If I know now when I knew it, like at 25, mm-hmm. I would definitely be pumping all my money back into businesses and investing in other people, you know, trying to get on like 5% of this business, on like 10% of that business to where I just sit in, like, give me a seat on the board where I can just steer y'all in the right direction because my 10% of my money's in it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where it's at. You know, that business to business connection is where it's at. And I, and I agree. And I, you know, I just think that that's one thing that we have to learn from where we are. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, 
we cannot be, as Malcolm X say, we cannot be hoodwinked and bamboozled. Right. You know, we cannot go around thinking that the numbers that programs like Fox TV, you know, spew out accurately reflect our communities. You know, and I think people that live in the communities know that. But people who don't live in those communities are 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 are, are led to believe that everyone, for some reason, uh, that trickle down theory of economics is is working. But just like you said, um, you can't get a loan easier now than you could before. Right. You know. You, as a matter of fact, it's harder to get a loan. You know now, and and, and minorities that are are at the at the lower totem pole. Those that are. Um, middle class and lower middle class and, and poverty level, they're not feeling better now that Trump's in office. They're feeling worse. And the other thing I think that the, this person failed to appreciate is this, is that one of the things that drive how you feel is not just the amount of money you have in your pocket. Because white America, uh, just like black America, all of them don't live above poverty level. That's right. But they feel better. Right. And they're feeling and that's what's driving the economy as well, because they feel better. They're spending more money. Right. And they're feeling better because they have someone in their White House that they feel supports them and has their views. If I'm a racist and he's a racist, I just feel better. I go spend some more money. I go then just to celebrate. He's in office. And I think that's the other thing that for for black America, many of us don't feel better because of who's in office. Mm-hmm. And, and so that affects the quality of your life as well. And that can be depressing as well. So anyway, I guess the bottom line I would say is that uh, I think that as, as you pointed out, that we need to start looking at how we're going to be more in control. Uh, uh, yeah. and, 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 and not because it's not something we can't do, because we have done it. You know, we've done it. For years we've done it, right? And then we arrived and just stopped doing it. You know, one thing, Doctor Daniels, I think this this guy is caught up is we're like the Israelites complaining too much. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say we're complaining too much is we're focused on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep focusing on Trump and what he's doing or not doing, you're not focused on what you can do. Right, right. And, you, and we're sitting around saying, "Well, I can't do this because X, Y, Z." Like stop creating the, stop creating the excuse, mm-hmm. and just going to do it. See, I keep I tell people that Trump is just playing the mass media card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a degree in mass communications. So, and they, and the first lesson you learn, if it leads, it leads. Mm-hmm. So he does stuff crazy just so it can get on the news. Mm-hmm. But you got to look behind the scenes, behind mm-hmm. the closed door, and find out okay what's really going on. Mm-hmm. But then, does it really affect me? Right. So does it affect my business? Mm-hmm. Does it affect what I'm trying to get accomplished? Right. You know, um, like it's a big deal that the Supreme Court justice is stepping down. Mm-hmm. That's a huge deal huge. That, because it can affect what the next 30, 40 years of how laws are done. Oh, absolutely. See, but we want to talk about how many Diet Cokes uh, President Trump is drinking. You know, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that we as black people, we need to get around and don't get so militant that you even you shoot past it mm-hmm. understand what's going on so okay how can i do i mean look at this when's it going to go into effect what laws could change and let me adjust and stay ahead of the game and stay ahead of the game mm-hmm. and let me adjust everything and this is how we talked about last uh last week don't hate the player 
hate the game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times with black owned businesses and black people, we are spend so much time disliking the game versus getting in there mm-hmm. to play it and then teaching other people this is what you need to do. Right. And if you don't like the game, change the rules. That's right. That, 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 and, and, that, and, and there's plenty of black folks out there that want to run for office, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then understand that they're going to have to make some compromises and don't get mad at them for signing on to this bill. And then you paying attention to what's going on. Just understand the big picture of everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds great to me. Yeah. I tell you. So. All right. Sounds like we got a winner with this one. Thank y'all so much for joining us. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.